From the Transverse Network, this is The Transgender Show, an interview program about gender discovery and self-acceptance. I'm your host, Emily. This week on the show is amateur automotive racer and trans Instagram icon, Julia, a.k.a. Raw Jewels. Hi, Hi Emily. How are you doing tonight? I'm well, thank you. Hello, Transverse. Thank you well, for having me on. Yeah, welcome in. Thank you so much for being here. I know that um, uh, you've been on Instagram for some time and have quite a following. I know a lot of people that know you or know of you or have followed you for a very long time. So it's wonderful to get such an influential uh, trans person on the show. First off, how do you identify? Uh, I am, I guess, first and foremost, a woman. Um, I I feel extremely binary. Um, so I would say I'm also okay with trans, transgender, trans femme. Um, but uh, in terms of the the labels, mm -hmm. transgender female works probably uh, most descriptively. Mm -hmm. I like that you're emphatically emphatically binary, <laughs> very strongly rooted in the she she her. And I wasn't exactly um, uh, positive about that until um, uh, my uh, darling uh, uh, partner is non-binary, and um, they are. Uh, they they've helped me on that journey quite a lot. It's like, no, I am fiercely binary and they are very non-binary. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's it's definitely helped. That makes a nice balance in the household. <laughs> so um I didn't I didn't realize they were non-binary. I'm I'm now even more excited about the potential of having them on the show. <laughs> yeah. Um so now that we've got that out of the way, let's get to the the fun question, my favorite. How did you choose your name? That was exciting. Uh, so um, I, um, my father passed in 2015. So um, it was, uh, it was a, a lot of struggle. And that was before I came out, but uh, multiple years before um, anyone, anyone other than myself knew. Um, and uh, one of something that in throughout my whole childhood, my parents were always like, you know, if you had been a girl, you would have been Jennifer Elizabeth. Um, and uh, there's all kinds of um, uh, it's too many stories, but <laughs> they uh, they would um, they would constantly refer to to me. My dad would kind of joke about that, and so I wanted to pay homage to them. Um, they, I'm my mom was very very supportive. Uh, my dad, I can only assume, would have been incredibly supportive of this journey, and uh, mm. uh, so I paid homage. I kept the middle name, and I wanted to keep my um, um. My dead name also started with a J, so J theme worked really well. Um, I did know quite a lot of Jennifer's, um, and yeah. it like my generation in particular. I think that was a really, really common name. So um, I just like I felt awkward about that. It was like it didn't really feel like mine. It felt like I, all the it belonged to all of those other people for some reason, but. Um, I was born in July and um, keeping in the J themes, Julia was one of them that I um, uh, landed on really early on. And I found myself just comparing uh, to 
um, that same name over and over. And I was like, okay, well, I, I think I found it because like, oh, that's not as good as Julia. Oh, that's not as good as Julia. <laughs> uh, uh, your touchstone it's just like okay the, here here's the basis and and is it something gonna beat it and it's like nope round after round yeah julia kept winning that's great and so there's a um i don't think that it's in the the, the queue of questions that you have here but um i want to bring it up here is that um julia is the name obviously that i went with um but um among the first people to know what the name was uh was my mom and in that moment, um, sharing like, hey, mom, I think maybe I might be interested at some point by going by Julia. And in that phone call, she starts calling me Julia, which is amazing. That's awesome. She made an effort like within seconds of trying to appease me, but it felt so awkward. I was like, "Ooh, no, I don't like it. It's my mom calling me this weird name. So mm. if I can give any advice to anybody, if you can find people who maybe like they're close enough to you that you you feel comfortable with them, you feel safe with them, but maybe you haven't been friends with them for a crazy long period of time or they're like in a you just haven't been talking to them for a while or, or you know anything if you can figure out that crew and have them try your new name first it might feel more comfortable and then when you go to share it with somebody <laughs> your, your mom who has known you your whole life and it's that that just it was it felt so wrong hmm. but you know, now she, uh, I mean, I love it when she calls me her daughter and my, you know, uh, Julia and little pet names around Julia. It's it's adorable. So oh, so wonderful. Yeah, you um you you kind of had the opposite of a lot of people. Not only was she um not against it, she adopted it before you did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ser no, seriously, it was like I'm ready. I'm ready now. Let's do it. You said you want to go. I want to be supportive. <laughs> like okay, well. All right. Um, Overly supportive, maybe. But yes, thank you. <laughs> it's like too much. <laughs> so um, when did you first realize you were trans? Were there signs when you were a kid? There was definitely signs. Um, I would say uh, what's what's interesting for me. Um, I th there was there was definitely a time when I was very young when it was like, I, I can clearly remember fantasizing um, over and over again about being a woman. It was like, uh, I saw it later on. I saw movies like Freaky Friday or, or any of those like body swap um, things. Just like, oh, I just wish I could experience it for just a day and, you know, or have some magical ability um, to, to swap in and out. Um, and, um, but that was like a, um, and, and 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 like I I had this sort of attraction to like finding women's clothes that I could wear in secret and private. Like my parents would go off and do something, and I was like, uh, uh I'm just gonna sneak into my parents' room. It's like, it's like pretty normal as far as I can tell. in, in all the stories that I've I've heard of of um other um other trans individuals finding their way and kind of feeling feeling deceitful feeling gross about it feeling like it was just some weird thing i feel like i knew 
I was kinky and, and into the BDSM scene well before I knew that I was trans. And I felt like for a long time, um, this obsession with um, being trans existed more as like a fetish or in some kind of like sexual capacity. Um, so I say I've always known, but I didn't always know. Um, it took me until, you know, after my father died before, like there was some experimentation in my early 20s mm-hmm. um, uh, with like tr- going by a female name with a partner and and um, but it always felt more like a sexual thing in that in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then it took until um, uh you know, a couple of years of depression following the death of my father and trying to very fiercely um, uh, hold this, this like, I'm the man of the house. I, I was married for a couple of years and um, I just had this uh, uh, needing, needing to like be the man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just was not working. It was like fiercely depressing. Yeah. Um, and did you, uh, and you, did you, you at the time you felt a lot of pressure to do that and to do uh, more manly it, macho activities and things like that, especially around yeah, those? right, yeah. Um, I don't know. I just I was I don't I feel like I was never truly a like manly man, but <laughs> but um, it there was just this. It felt like there was this tremendous pressure, and um, I have this uh like burning need to like please people um mm-hmm. people in my life that you know i i just need to make them feel like i am able to care for them in that capacity and as the man of the house um i was the uh, i have an older brother but when my dad died i ended up taking on a lot of responsibility for um uh just selling off a bunch of furniture and and musical instruments and and all this stuff there was a lot of a lot of like organizational stuff and it was like i was brought in to be like take over the the like man of the house job and it it boiled over at some point thank god i was in therapy for um uh my um my father's um passing and i also just happened to stumble across somebody who who like specializes in gender studies <laughs> so it was like i went for grief counseling and came out with a uh uh someone who's like perfect for my transition <laughs> you yeah you went in with grief issues and came out with dysphoria a diagnosis yeah right <laughs> exactly <laughs> Yeah, you bring up a lot of common themes, and we talked about this before the show of of how you know a lot of times in our trans stories there are a lot of common things, and and you know I won't say that there that everybody's story is is the same or, or or even similar, but there are some common themes, and I I really like you know that that need to to do the more masculine activities. Um, I find it's common with the people that I interview that we are people pleasers because we spend just naturally because of who we are we spend so much of our time trying to please people and trying to fit into the role that they right. that they see us as and we just kind of you know adopt that as as our way of being um and then also you know you uh, my story is very similar to yours where my initial entry into um 
the transgender idea was through the fetish stuff you know um i i hate the term now i'm not trying to shame anybody but um I, you know the term sissy is so strongly associated with it and yeah. um it was funny as i was getting into it i was realizing that okay yes this is what really appeals to me on some really deep level but i don't identify as the sissy and the kind of like the forced side of it it was exciting but it wasn't what i what um, yeah it, it, it wasn't right so like i started to kind of recoil against that that term but i i, I wonder how many people kind of find out about themselves through that avenue yeah i uh, bet it's extremely common mm -hmm. um i never uh, identified as a crossdresser, but for whatever reason, it just it felt so right. It felt like uh, inescapably like validating. Um, but I, it was without any ability to identify it, without any ability to point out something and say, "Yes, this is." You know, trans trans visibility was not around in the um yeah. mid 2000s and even to some degree the early 2010s uh it it's like just it didn't even really exist right right yeah the only if i think about um pop culture in the um you know, the years that i was growing up and you know formative years uh through my uh like puberty or what what have you it was a little bit before my time but the the strongest one is the um uh the antagonist in uh in silence of the lambs oh, okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. um uh, i'm clearly not anything like this this villain I couldn't possibly be like this person and i think in the movie they they mentioned that like this character is not um, Buffalo Bill is not actually transgender, but went for some. It, it's very, very black, like gray area yeah. about w what is or isn't his identity. And he's clearly got some other issues going on, but <laughs> he and he like monopolized the zeitgeist in terms of transgender and it's like oh well okay now we want to introduce uh, legislation where you know trans people have access to the gender that they the restrooms that they pro i don't want buffalo bill peeing next to my wife what mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah know. you know in our time right. you had uh, you know, our, our main examples were buffalo bill uh lois einhorn and uh jerry springer's sex workers basically that he would bring yeah, on that was right. that was pretty much it that was the only access that we yeah. had to it right yeah no you're you're 100 right jerry springer i didn't even think of that but yeah that's probably even more so because you'd get these people on it's it's reality tv you know you're <laughs> yeah. bringing these people on and um the type of people especially in those days who would be drawn to a Jerry Springer interview are not the people that I want necessarily to be speaking on behalf of the entirety of this extremely diverse population. Yeah. 
Anyway. Well, and it really segues nicely into the next question I want to ask is, you know, how did you come to terms with the fact that you were trans, especially given those sort of negative role models? What I, you know, I know you sort of fell into into therapy at, at exactly the right time, but, you know, just kind of how did you come to grips with the fact that, oh, I'm trans and what now? Yeah. So um, it actually, it started, it very much started with an exploration well, I guess it continued as an exploration with my um, therapist. I say it's continued because it sort of started with this um, this exploration with with a previous partner a long long time ago, um, uh, where I would be going by a female name for a little while. But um, it that I think that cemented some of the negative feelings. Um, that I had towards it, that it was just this sexual thing. Um, and um, when I was starting to talk about um, what I thought was a sex addiction, um, there were these times when I was um, just so incredibly um, helpless against this need, this drive for watching porn. I just needed to... There needed to be a woman in the porn. It didn't matter what else was going on. But as long as there was one woman in the porn, I would be able to, like, experience it via proxy. So it's like I would imagine myself in whatever role this person was experiencing. Mm -hmm. um, and um, it became what I felt like an extreme addiction because there would be days where I couldn't go without looking at porn two or three times in the day. And mm -hmm. I felt like that was a, a bit too much. And um, <laughs> so I was talking to my therapist about uh, that exact thing and um, just, uh, you know, asking what I could be doing about it. And slowly over the course of time, I, I started to realize um, what was going on um, was a lot more of this, like, I, I, uh, I don't know how to, it was like experiencing being feminine mm -hmm. via this proxy. Yeah. Um, so, it was after quite some time dealing with those um, those moments uh, in therapy where it's like, I can't understand why I need this so much. Um, and starting to dive into some of the previous experiences where, um, and then going through all kinds of websites. I think at the time, um, Susan's Place was oh, a website yeah. mm -hmm. a, long, oh, a while ago. I had been, I had gone onto that website, I don't know, five or six dozen times, <laughs> just trying to like read whatever I could and, and all this stuff. It took so many times. I watched all kinds of YouTube videos. Um, just like anybody is doing right now with this video, I'm sure it's like just looking for somebody that I identify with to say, yeah, I'm like this person. I like, I get it. I understand. Mm -hmm. um, so 
I didn't think that it was going to be possible. Um, anybody who's seen my Instagram has seen my um, before photos. And I never expected I could potentially ever transition into something that I could consider would be presentable to the world. Not even cis passing, just like, I feel like I'm going to be a freak forever. Yeah. Um, that's a that's a, another big common one, too, that fear of like, well, yeah, especially when you fall into the Instagram trap and you start following some Instagram people that have have achieved that they look beautiful they, they look like they pass and everything and you're just like i could never look like that so i'm just always going to be this weird this weird freak kind of troll thing and and yeah. i think that's another reason right. that 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 kind of fetishized thing is appealing because it's like the only way to achieve anything like that is to sort of be forced into it and and um and yeah unfortunately a lot of a lot of humiliation comes along with that and it's it's kind of a yeah. kind of a sad thing because it's it's not necessary but it's just the way our society is i guess it leads us that down that path pretty easily and and also okay. hrt and you know for everyone that i've in the trans circles that i've i've existed in hrt is so damn magical <laughs> like it does so much um it may not necessarily get you to your personal ideal but I'd say be patient with it because it might take you further than you think it could. Hmm. Um, and I say this recognizing full well that it's a privilege even to have access to um, HRT medic medicines. Yeah. Uh, not everyone has access to that. Um, but um, I'm between jobs right now. And fortunately, my new health insurance will kick in at the end of the month. But I just had to pay out of pocket for one month's worth of medicine and it's expensive. Mm -hmm. um, go, you know, if you live in the States, good RX, do it. It works. Uh, it, it gives you coupons. I am not being paid by them. Just like this is the only way that even, even now for one month, I'm like, I need to subscribe to this for the one month so mm -hmm. that I can, you can get it for free, but you get better deals if you subscribe. Oh, nice. Yeah. I didn't know about that. I, I showed up, um, I, I realized my insurance had lapsed, lapsed and I showed up at the uh, pharmacy and they're like, yeah, it's gonna be $95. And I'm like, Oh my God. And I'd lost my job too. That's why my insurance had lapsed. And I freaked out about that. And she apparently had access to do it on her end and saved me uh saved me probably like 80 percent of that yeah. so definitely if yeah. you are struggling and you don't have the money for it or, or you know something happens to your insurance for a little bit good rx is the way to go that's a good plug <laughs> um good tools so what when you came out you mentioned that you were talking with your mom but who was the first person you came out to uh, I actually, so I was married at the time and I'm not currently married. Um, we're more acquaintances now, unfortunately. Um, I, I think that a little bit, the, the pandemic is more to do with that than anything, but, um, uh, so you would think this is something that you'd want to tell you know, your spouse first, um, this big thing, but I just knew at the pit of my stomach that it wasn't going to be something that was going to go very well. Yeah. And 
I I couldn't be rejected the first time I told somebody. Yeah. So it's too hard to start um, to, to do as it is, much less when when you're pretty sure the first one's gonna be a reject. <laughs> yeah. Um so to give credit where credit's due, um, my ex-wife actually ended up um uh being um being ultimately supportive, okay. but we needed to divorce. Um so I've never had any of the I've heard some some ex spouses being pretty cruel about it and like never calling you by your you know real name and um like I have my passport now that's my legal name my birth certificate has my legal name on it and that's that's my legal name <laughs> but congrats on that I was never I was never um I was never dead named by anybody maliciously. Um, so, uh, but anyway, to your question, sorry. <laughs> um, I, so my ex-wife was going to be out of town visiting friends. And ironically, it was a baby shower of all things um, that I wanted to go to. Like, I, I loved the, um, the couple that um was throwing the baby shower like who wants to go to a baby shower <laughs> like it's usually like at this point it sort of feels more like a a chore than anything but like i i did want to go to that mm -hmm. i i wasn't invited <laughs> so she was out of town for a few days and um i ended up uh like painting my nails and i i bought breast forms and I did my makeup very rudimentary and um, had a, I had a, bought, bought a dress and I um, and a wig. And so I texted my brother and we were going to hang out. Um, he and uh, his fiance were going to come over and um, we were going to just like play video games and eat pizza and chat. Nice. Stuff was going on with my mom, so we were going to talk about that, too. And so, like, the very last minute, like, 15 minutes before he's about to leave, I text him also. I was like, so, I have another question for you. And I send him a, a message that says, so, hey, by the way, I'm transgender, and I would really like to be able to... <laughs> to dress up like this and then i sent him a photo of me and my new things so, like i blitzed him with it i'm like and i understand if you don't want to come here and so like i press send and then um the most grueling two minutes of my entire life felt like an hour and a half yeah i'm just like um so uh <laughs> and he was like okay just wanna just wanna pause here for a second make sure that you're not pranking me <laughs> I was like, nope, this is very serious. This is not a prank, I promise. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, sure. If that's uh, sure, if you want to dress like this, it'll be cool, I guess. Hmm. Um, so I, uh, I, he came over, his fiance came over, we chatted, we had a good time, we ate pizza, we played video games, um, and everything was fine. And he like kind of double took when I opened the door. Um, and yeah, it just it worked out. So I, I, what I was realizing is like, I needed that person that I could feel like I could count on because if my brother 
was going to support me. I knew that I could take on the world. I knew that I could, oh. no amount of people rejecting me is like, no, my brother has my back. Um, and he has always been the like protective older brother role, mm-hmm. like role model. Um, so it's good to have that, especially in, um, uh, in my new life yeah definitely gotta have those people in your corner and find them early build up that that network of people that are behind you um so what did you what was your level of acceptance that you found at work and did you kind of have to fight for yourself there i i just had so much privilege through this whole thing Mm -hmm. i didn't have any problems at work like ever i have worked now at three different organizations um so um my the employer that i was at when i came out um i went to like shortly after i came out to my brother i went to hr and i said i need a strictly confidential meeting it was a giant firm so i knew that they would be able to accommodate that it's like nothing bad i just want to see what it's like and fortunately um somebody had uh gone through um this exact <laughs> gone through this there is another transgender uh woman at that organization and um she led the way and got us you know healthcare coverage and um like has already started to like sit on the um lgbt um uh the 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 pride committee for um like firm wide events um and uh so she did so much of the heavy lifting so um i started to come out there and um i didn't i I wanted to be on hormones for a while um before i actually went fully public with it at work um, and in that period of time, I actually changed jobs, oh, okay. which was terrifying because the new job was, I went from being at a 30 plus thousand person company down to a company the size of 12. Ooh, <laughs> so, um, it was a really good career move. And I was like, uh, I mean, I'll just check about health services and cross my fingers that they are a good company and I will move if I have to. <laughs> Um, scary stuff. It was very scary because you can't just come out and be like, hey, so this great job opportunity that I'm probably going to need because I'm going to be divorced soon and need to put a roof over myself and my cat (laughs) in Boston. It's not easy. Um, So um, then uh, around the time when I wanted to be coming out um, at that job, um i um i same thing i went to hr it was it was somebody who had multiple functions was you know recruiting hr and some operation stuff um and she was like oh my gosh i i have to tell jane i have to tell her <laughs> the owner of the company i have to tell her and i was like uh, uh, oh, okay. Uh, I hope that's okay. And she's like, no, trust me. Trust me. I, I have to tell her. And it's a, like a good thing. Like, trust me. Oh. And, uh, they pulled me off my consulting, um, project 
like a couple hours early so that I could go meet them at um at the at another office and um we talked logistics for like an hour or two. Uh, was like, what what time off do you think you're going to need? What are your pronouns? What do you want me to call you at work now? I was like, what? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> um, and then um, she's like, yeah, so I feel like I was pretty new still. I was only like two months into the job at that point. And so she's like, so I'd, I'd love to get to know you better. Do you have some time right now? You want to just grab dinner? And so... We went to a fancy Italian restaurant and drank wine and ate pasta for four hours. Wow. <laughs> and she talked about, like, um, you know, being a black belt and uh, her time in, in like, very men- male-dominated spaces. And she was doing, like, a, a women's um, safety class. And she's like, oh, my gosh, transgender people should probably... Um, take all these courses that I have in, in martial arts because um, I'm sure that it's it's scary to be it's <laughs> like ah. so um, they they ran this whole thing for the, the company to be like okay so uh, Julia is transitioning and these are like there was a meeting and then I left um, and they just ran this thing I heard I heard some of the stuff like right as I was walking out okay. um that's nice so that they didn't make you kind of sit through it uncomfortably with yeah. like pointing the spotlight right. at you. You're just able to go and, and while they set themselves yeah. up. I love that. I hugely recommend that. It's like let them feel talk to them and and be able to educate whoever is going to be sitting in that room with some of the common questions. Um just to just to have that buffer zone because um I would have tried to play it cool, and then I probably would have permanently had, um, like at work, you don't want to deal with that. If you're able to have a a buffer, um, they can ask their their sometimes strange and unnecessary questions, and somebody in there can be like, "Uh, that's not appropriate. This is what you need to know." Mm-hmm. Um, so strongly recommend that but and now i'm at a new company and um i actually haven't told anybody yet i haven't felt the need so um but as far as they have a a pride committee and i plan to um to join that and and do public outreach but i only just started so i have some other stuff that i'm on my plate right now well i love that you're able you've gotten to the point where apparently you're you're passing and and you know, you can just be a woman like you want to be. Yeah, I love how I, like I didn't I didn't want to announce it and make make a big deal about it. I'd rather them just sort of take me on my merits and assume that I'm just some nerdy girl who knows about all this tech stuff because that's that shouldn't be that alone shouldn't be um uncommon mm-hmm. um but it's you know it's usually boys are handed technology when they're young and yeah whatever so then um what was your experience after this finding community did you seek out community while you were transitioning to to find support there or, for, or you know answer some of the questions you had yeah there's a uh, there's a really good uh local um transgender support group um that 
I guess I'll plug. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. You know, for safe. I don't know. It's yeah, like safety reasons. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So Fenway Health is is really good. You should look into that organization for your if you're anywhere near the Boston area. Um, Fenway Health is is fantastic. They have a good. Um, they have a good support group. They have medical services and pharmacy and all kinds of stuff. So um, definitely recommends if you're in the area. Uh, I started going um, maybe like two months after I came out to my brother. Um, this was so April 2018 is when I first came out. And then I think like may june time frame is when i started going to these meetings and you know i was like it was right after work so i had to go straight there in my business suit and and little briefcase <laughs> i was like sitting in it takes a lot of courage to to walk through those doors um anybody who is on the cusp of it right now i promise you in those spaces you may feel like you're being judged, but 50% of the people in there feel like you're judging them. Mm. So, uh, just take the, take the courage, take the step, go into those spaces. And, um, especially in an organization that is as, as out and public as being, um, trans supportive, trans inclusive. Um, they don't even have gendered bathrooms there. They have, um, they they have uh, re, like rebadged all of the all of the bathrooms so that it's it's all gender. Um, so uh, I started going and I felt really uncomfortable. It's like I don't even know if I want to go by she her pronouns. Uh, yeah. Um, but I started telling my story and immediately somebody walked up to me afterwards and was like I I I resonate with that exactly. It's like he. I this thing this thing this thing and it like it's across the age divide as well. Yeah. Some of the people came up to me who were twice my age um talking about some things. Um so being in an actual physical space right now with covid it's very hard mm. but we're getting close to being able to be in person again. Um finding little groups um I I it's been a long time since I've been a participant in this group, but um, I put together a little Discord server for, uh, well, actually, it's Slack. It's not Discord. <laughs> That's how often I'm on it these days. Ah, I'm so terrible. Um, so many things. So many so things. I is too many things. I started um, uh, this little thing because I wanted these these conversations to keep going um, outside of the in in group sessions, and we set up these like little events outside, like little potlucks, get get together in the in the mm. thing. So try and find communities that are doing that, so you can spend as much time in person with like minded people. Because if if all you have going on is um, the news where there are bills being introduced to um, strip your rights. You're not going to want to do any of this. Mm. <laughs> Who would want to to cash in, like trade in, in my case, white cishet male privilege 
<laughs> working in the investment industry in, in a major metropolitan area, I would want to cash in that kind of privilege to be a part of the underclass that is going to be stripped of all their rights and, and humiliated in front of the entire nation. Not me. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, but, it's very difficult right now. That's why it's very important for as many of us as possible to get in front of people and, and really start really start trumpeting and just yeah. pushing back against all this, this BS. Uh, yeah. So in your transition, uh, what were some of the key fears that you dealt with and how did you overcome those? Key fears. So I, I definitely thought that um, I was going to be seen in some bathroom and people were going to be like horrified to see me in there and, and um, finding people who were willing to be my like bodyguard when I went into those, those spaces helped me. Mm -hmm. Um, excuse me. Um, so I also, uh, yeah, I, I didn't want to have, I didn't want to be left alone. Like I didn't, I didn't want people to, to leave me. And I feel like that's a very common one as well. But, um, this, um, it, it worked out so well for me and I know that that's not the case for everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, so wanting to sort of minimize the impact, I just kind of like went one person at a time, just, just building up my my little whole thing and i i tried to um i tried to make sure that um i got as much of of like that foundational support as i possibly could like my family knew and my closest friends knew and um there were some friends that i inundated early on who um, I miss dearly now. We kind of just fell out of touch. Um, but I was never like directly, never had any direct friction with any, any previous friends. Um, and then just let people surprise you. Sometimes, sometimes it works really well. Um, sometimes it works terribly, but <laughs> if you can figure out a way of, of, providing people an opportunity to to see how happy you are and and like be a part of that in some way um they can uh they can surprise you sometimes i called some people and and they were just like huh yeah that makes sense <laughs> and i i called other people and they're like whatever you want to do. I just like, just tell me if I offend you. I'm really sorry, but like, you know, it's going to take me a while. <laughs> I go, okay, that's weird. That's, uh, oh, yes. Thank you. <laughs> that was about as supportive as I was expecting from you, I guess. <laughs> so um, have your, have your transition goals shifted as you've moved along? Did you have yeah, like a plan absolutely. early on and, and then kind of changed it as you've gone through? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Early on, I was just like, okay, so I need to have, um, <laughs> I need to get GCS and I'm going to need a boob job and I'm going to need to have facial feminization surgery and I'm going to need vocal surgery and I'm going to need to train with all of the best people uh, to to convince them that I can sit like a lady and talk like a lady and oh, all that bullshit. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Sorry, is this PG thirteen? <laughs> yeah, um, okay, You're more than welcome to swear here. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, so I did almost none of that. Okay. <laughs> um, I I still want GCS. Uh, there's still there's still a a kind of uh, I'm very binary, as I have mentioned, and there is something that feels very wrong. Um, but I've lucked out that hormones ended up doing most of the work for me. And fortunately, when I was younger, I like to I am also a singer and like I've been training my voice in that way for a long time. And I was like an improv and I did a lot of funny voices and and accents and things. So in high school and a little bit of college. So like I've been training my voice for a long time. Um, and so watching a few of the, the videos and taking some notes um, from like vocal feminization was enough for me. Um, and, you know, now, now, you know, I feel like I have decent enough growth. <laughs> I don't need breast augmentation. Um, my face just kind of did its thing. I did do um, laser and electrolysis. Okay. But, yeah, that one, there's nothing you can do about that one. That one just ends up being unnecessary. Yeah, but um, I would say that my goals uh, in terms of, um, like, early on, I was focused very heavily on... Uh, uh playing the role of the lady like like i need to be very feminine i need dresses i need makeup of all kinds um literally for the show i put on eyeliner and mascara and so and and some like tinted lip balm mm-hmm. so i don't you know i wear pants and jeans and sneakers all the time now like i i own probably two dozen pumps and i never wear them i'd rather be greasy in in like jeans and a a tank top working on a car Mm. my fingernails haven't been painted in forever because they always chip it's like why bother (laughs) it's like you can be fiercely feminine you can be fiercely binary but you can also just pick what's right for you. Yeah. Like I, <laughs> I was, I, I, I still like getting manicures, pedicures. That'd be fun. But like, I don't know. I'd rather work on a car. And if it's going to mess it up, then I don't need my fingernails painted. <laughs> well, and that's the dream, right? To get to that point where you're so confident in yourself and you, you, you truly have, fallen into your identity completely that 
you can then be whatever you want to be within that. And you don't feel now that you're supposed to fit into something else. I think we, we kind right. of, the pendulum swings a little bit too far. We're forced to be one gender. And then so to be the gender that we feel we really are, we feel we have to swing all the way to the opposite side. And then that doesn't yeah. feel any more genuine because you know, it, it's so much effort and you're trying so hard. And it's nice when you get to that point where you, you fall into the middle of like, I am me, I'm happy with me and I get to be who I want to be. And I don't have to fall, I have to fit into some predefined, you know, way of being. I love that. The amount of pink stuff that I bought early on in transition, you have no idea. Hmm. And like, you can like, my my bed sheets are blue. I'm wearing a blue shirt here. There's like hell. My toolkit's blue. It's like blue has always been my favorite color. Why did I think that was going to change? <laughs> so, so like, don't don't try to challenge too many things that are core to your personality. You try you know challenge them, but but. There will certainly be things that stick. Mm -hmm. Like, I was always interested in cars. I was always interested in the color blue. And that's going to persist. Yeah. <laughs> so in that, what are the things that you do to feel kind of especially valid as yourself? Are there any activities or, or things that you like to do that, you know, reinforce that femininity for you? Wow. That is a good question. Um, hmm, I'll have to think about that. Okay. I think early on I may have said something akin to like getting my my fingernails painted, but um, I don't know. Gosh, I think right now it's <laughs> being Little Spoon. <laughs> <laughs> Just being like embraced and like protected by someone else, but that also could be more like I'm also submissive and in a 24 7 relationship. So mm -hmm. <laughs> that might also be validating on that side of the coin as well. So, <laughs> yeah, um, I, I totally get that that um, desire to finally be the one who's nurtured and taken care of and protected instead of having to always feel like that's your responsibility for everyone else around you. Yeah. Yeah. And it, uh, I mean, that's not a great answer for somebody watching and being like, yeah, well, I don't have a partner. It's like, trust me, I was there and I went through the hellscape that is online dating. <laughs> I can only imagine what uh, this pandemic must've been like for, for the dating scene. Mm -hmm. um, but uh Please, God, be careful. I made some stupid mistakes when I was young, when I when I, when I was younger, when I was a baby trans. <laughs> um, I I made some really really dumb mistakes with my own personal safety that I look back on and shake my head at. Um, you are not as safe as you possibly were before depending on how well male privilege was treating you <laughs> yeah so um you mentioned you know what's going on downstairs as a as a cause for dysphoria is there anything else that's kind of generally in your life that still pops up that causes you 
those those dysphoric struggles and how do you deal with those at this point in your transition yeah um i mean talking is awful <laughs> um i uh i used to wear tucking underwear all the time um and now i'm able to wear kind of boy short and tight jeans um the the like just tight women's underwear that's called boy short yeah um for anybody who doesn't know the term because at one point i didn't know that term <laughs> like no i don't want to wear boy shorts it's <laughs> like no julia trust me <laughs> <laughs> um so um yeah, tucking tucking is is hugely uh, uncomfortable and dysphoric, but finding ways to make that um, less of a thing is is helpful. Um, the the like tucking underwears, I've never found one that wasn't like really uncomfortable through the crotch, and <laughs> pardon the expression, also becomes butt floss. Yeah, uh, it's <laughs> awful. Um, so finding much more comfortable underwear that does enough of the job, um, and kind of being satisfied with that, um, so many people aren't going to notice. They're going to more notice your face than your crotch, I promise. But that's all um, fear, right? That's the thing that you're most, you're, you're most afraid of. Like, you know, um, as, uh, we talked about on the, the, uh, Transvengers one time, like, you know, popping a tuck. And yeah, a bit of a oh my God. you know, you're terrified of that. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, thanks. Yeah, and the other one for me is it, I, I now like shave once every two or three days, and once it gets to like day three, I'm like, oh no, it's so <laughs> bad. How did I let it go this long? And like, I'll find myself like sitting on the couch just like doing this, and Nicola will slap me on the arms, like, stop picking at your face, go shave. <laughs> and so, like, just find your find your like for me skincare regimen uh is uh, a really good one just find find something to make you feel good about yourself that is actually like being a healthy additive mm -hmm. yeah. um like moisturizing washing and and like making sure that you get all of the makeup off <laughs> um those those things are help a lot with the dysphoria just feeling like okay i'm not some withering corpse <laughs> so what are what are the favorite things or, or if there's one favorite thing that you've learned through your journey uh that being a human is like we're all the same mm -hmm. <laughs> like i thought that there was going to be some like magical revelation with you know multiple years being out and and in you know it's just my life now mm -hmm. um everyone can do everything there's no there's no limitations like i'm i'm pursuing motorsport I don't think that I'm necessarily pursuing motorsport to the space where I would be in 
a professional series, but maybe I'm cutting myself short there. Maybe I, I might eventually get there, but um, it's always going to be a hobby. And I found some spaces where there was really enthusiastic um, uh, 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 excitement for my participation. Mm. Um, before transition, I, I would have never expected that I would have been accepted as, as a woman, much less a trans woman, mm -hmm. on a racetrack. And I show up, and they all seem to be very genuine and sweet, and hmm. it's good. Yeah. And as we wrap up this, this portion of the show, what advice do you have to pass on to young or closeted trans people out there? I really think that um wherever possible finding finding your safe spaces to experiment um because sometimes in the process especially towards the beginning of the process you're even trying to convince yourself so finding somebody that you can confide in and um be the person to help you shop in the women's section or the men's section um if you happen to be going um in a on a different path for me um uh having having that bodyguard to help you in the restroom just finding somebody to to be a little bit your sherpa when you can't figure out the how the hell to interpret what a medium size that is in the range of 12 to 14 that's what I, okay what does he what does 14 even mean <laughs> like i've i've measured my body so many freaking times and i cannot still to this day figure out how to shop for what's close yeah the, this the sizes really are a loose guide like they, they give you sort of a, a a compass point you know compass area to point at but then but that's it it's just a, a direction it's it's not going to be your final destination as far as sizes you're gonna have to play a bit it's so it's yeah. so strange and the like at first it's like i'm wrong it must be me and then <laughs> i talked to all of my cis girlfriends and they're like uh they're like no we also can't figure it out we're like our my my butt isn't as big as yours, but I have a, a like wider waist, so that means this. And yeah. <laughs> it's just like it's we're all curvy in different ways. Um, and some some athletic women, some athletic cis women, have broader shoulders than we do. It's not you; it's being human. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of The Transgender Show from the Transverse Network. Watch the full video version of the show live Tuesday nights at twitch.tv slash thetransverse, and be sure to catch our slate of other great shows there as well. If you love what we're doing and want to support The Transverse, you can do so by visiting patreon.com slash thetransverse.